Amen, amen. Well, you could go ahead and be seated. So nice to, to see you all here this morning. And um, yeah, I mean, like, like Brian was saying, Christmas is coming up. Amen. It is a week from today. And our Christmas services will be coming up as well. And, you know, we've been taking this month of December, and, and we normally always take the month of December. We do a Christmas series for the main purpose is to really help us prepare our heart for Christmas. Amen. Because, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I said this in the first service. I mean, for me personally, I feel like this, this year in general has flown, right? This year has gone by fast. It just feels like that. I feel like almost every year goes by quick now. But even, especially like the month of December, I don't know, about December just flies, right? Because it's, a lot of us are busy, you know, you got Christmas coming up, you might have work things, family things, whatever it may be, you're getting, you know, the house ready for Christmas, the decorations, and, you know, what, cooking, baking, all of that stuff, and, um, you know, we want to make sure that we keep our hearts positioned, postured, though, for for the real meaning of Christmas, Jesus, amen, that we don't lose sight of that. So we always take this month to prepare our hearts <clears throat> this Christmas season for the Christmas season and to prepare our hearts and really to celebrate Christmas based on a biblical view towards what Christmas really means. And the, the series we're doing this year is, as you can see, is called What Child Is This? And, you know, many of us know that song. Uh, I'm just going to read a, a few of the lyrics. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. And what child is this? He is, it says, this, this is Christ the King. Amen. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him law, to bring him praise. The babe, the son of Mary. And that is Jesus is. You know, if you were here last week, we, we talked about that. We looked at the prophecies and how it was prophesied Jesus would come some thousands, hundreds of years. And he fulfilled all of those prophecies. How amazing the Word of God is, amen, that every book in the Word of God written by different people, it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it all points to Jesus. And, you know, again, for Christmas, talking about Christmas, you know, personally, myself, I like Christmas a lot. I, I love Christmas for, you know, many reasons. You know, having a kid now, it, it definitely makes it, you know, more exciting to see my daughter getting ex excited for Christmas and everything, and you know, it's just a good time, it's a good time of the year, right, I mean, I love eating, and there's cookies, and you got stuff, you know, we had that cookies and carols last week, which was great, you know, um, you know, at Christmas, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun time, and one of the things, really, when it comes to Christmas, for, for many of us, if not all of us, for preparing for Christmas, so to say, it honestly always revolves around what, a big part of it, buying gifts, right, it almost all, we, we get gifts, we get gifts for people, right? For Christmas time, we buy gifts, we receive gifts, etc. And, you know, when we think of gift giving and we see, think about gifts, you know, we see this in the Word of God. We see this when Jesus was born. The Magi, the wise men that came, they gave him gifts, amen? And I want to go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, and it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And what did they do? They fell down and they worshiped him. Amen. And it says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They presented gifts to Jesus. When he was born, they brought gifts. And those are good gifts. None of us here have gotten gifts like that before, I bet. <laughs> Jesus got, they brought him gifts. And here's the thing. We see that even before it says what they brought him, it says they fell down and worshipped him. Amen. And we can notice that their worship involved what? Giving of gifts. It was an act of respect and an act of honor. 
Amen? And, you know, secular historians, they would maybe like us to believe that our gift giving, our act of gift giving was handed down to us by different cultures, pagan cultures. But we see, honestly, gift giving in the Bible as a means of celebrating even long before Jesus was born. And I want to look at that. I want to take just a few minutes to look at that and look at two examples in the Old Testament where we see an act of celebration that led, that led to gift giving, to giving something. And the first example I want to go to is in the book of Esther. We're going to be going to, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Esther chapter 9. It's on the screen as well. And just a little bit of backstory here. The reason they were celebrating is because this is when God delivered the Jews from destruction in the Persian Empire. And one of the ways that they celebrated this was through gift giving. So we're going to pick up in verse 20 in Esther chapter 9. And it says, And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews, near and far, who were in all the provinces of King Asuras, to establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar, as the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies, as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them, and from mourning to a holiday." that they should make them days of feasting and joy, of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. So we see this was part of an act of celebrating here. It says their sorrow turned to joy, right? It says their, their, their mourning turned into a holiday. And it says, what did they do? They were sending presents to one another and giving gifts to the poor. And we could notice that, turning sorrow from joy, mourning to a holiday. And honestly, that is exactly what salvation has done for us. Amen turning sorrow to joy, mourning to a holiday. That's what salvation has done for us. And I want to look at one more occasion in the Old Testament here. And it's in Nehemiah chapter 8. And again, just a little bit of backstory. In this moment, they have rediscovered the Word of God. They're reading it. They've rediscovered the Word of God. And when the people began to return to Jerusalem on this occasion of rediscovering the Word of God, a day of celebration was announced because of this. And I want to pick up in verse 9 in Nehemiah 8. And it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions, send things to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? So we see even gift giving, celebrating it, the celebration and giving gifts, even before Jesus was born. We've seen Jesus, when he was born, presented with gifts. So really, if we think about it, gift giving is part of our spiritual, spiritual heritage, we could say. Amen? You know, there's something about gift giving, and I've, I mean, some people we give gifts throughout the year, but Christmas, especially, right, we give gifts. And I remember as a kid, I mean, mostly all of us in here, if we'll say we like to get gifts, right? As a kid, I love to get gifts. I still like to get gifts. <laughs> but as a kid, you know, I, I would, you know, get, you know, ask for certain things and stuff, and, you know, you'd get it, and you'd, you'd get so excited, and you, oh, this is what I wanted, or it was a surprise, and you'd have this you know, joy, you know, and I would have joy that I got the gift. And my mom would always say to me, you know, I get way more joy out of this seeing you being so joyful opening this gift than you do. And I'd be like, okay, mom, you don't even know right now how happy I am. You know, because we all, you know, we know more than our parents and then we realize when we get older that they were right. 
And it is so true because I could say now, I mean, for years now, I, when, it, it truly is more joyful when you give something to somebody and see the joy on their face. Amen. Then even when we receive things, I still like to get things, but I love to give something to somebody. You know, my daughter, she's four now. I love to, to just give her things because she gets so excited. You know, I shared this in all the services so far. You know, it was a, maybe a week ago now. I went to ShopRite and was getting things, and I saw a Christmas coloring book. So I picked it up. I was like, I'm just going to get it for her because surprise or whatever. So I got home. And I said, I have something for you, Everest. She's like, what? I was like, come here. And I gave her it. And she's like, oh, Dad, you are the best dad in the whole world. <laughs> and I was just like, praise the Lord. I was like, that cost me $1. <laughs> but I love seeing the joy on her face. You know, my, my wife or just somebody, anybody, just when you get them something, right? It is when you see, it's true. When we see that, it's so joyful. Gift giving is part of our spiritual heritage. But honestly, unfortunately, if we're not careful, gift giving, though, it could become a major burden and therefore it can lose the entire concept of what it's there for, of celebration, of honor and respect. And, you know, we could spend countless hours trying to shop or look for that one perfect gift. And that's all we're focused on rather than focusing on the one perfect gift, Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Jesus is the most perfect gift there is. God is a good father. God gives good gifts. In his word, it says everything, every good gift comes down from him. All right. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift there is. And we need to make sure that we don't lose our focus on that. Amen? Because the real truth is, is this, is if Jesus does not satisfy the longing in your heart, nothing ever will. I want to say that again. If Jesus doesn't satisfy the longing in your heart, nothing ever will. And that is so true. You know, I could think back before I was saved, you know, especially shortly before I was saved, I started having a longing in my heart, realizing there was something missing, something, I'm, I'm missing something. And, you know, you'd go and try to f fill that with temporary things, right? Things of the world. And they may temporarily fill that, but that does not fill that longing. Only Jesus could really fill that longing in us. Amen. He's the only one that can complete us and make us whole. So this Christmas, as it's coming up, Let's make sure our focus, it's not just all about the gift giving and we're making it about the gift giver himself. Amen. He knows, how, our father knows how to give good gifts. And we saw that in Jesus, the greatest gift. And what I want to take some time now today is to talk about gifts that, the gifts of Christmas, which are truly life transforming to us. Amen. You know, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Word of God says we're sealed for his, with His Spirit. The Word of God says we become a new creation. He has a plan. He has a purpose for our life. We have the Word of God, which has the promises of God, amen, that are available to us. And there are promises in His Word. And I want to look at these gifts of Christmas that are available to us that are truly life-transforming. But just because they're available to us, we need to make sure we know them and we need to make sure we access them, amen? And that's so important. Because, you know, again, Christmas time, you know, Christmas morning, a, a week from today, you know, for example, at my house, we'll get up, there'll be presents under the tree, majority of those will be for my daughter, and then some for my wife, we'll see what happens on my end, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just kidding, they're good to me, um, there'll be gifts there, and um, my daughter is going to be excited. She's, you know, she's four now. Last year, she was pretty excited for Christmas. This year, she is pumped. She has been talking about it 
for a long time. <laughs> Anytime we go to Walmart, any of the stores, for literally, I'm not even kidding, probably all of 2022, can I get that? No. What about for Christmas? I'm like, for, I mean, it's like 11 months away. What are you t <laughs> So anyway, she's going to be excited, and she'll have gifts there, and they'll be wrapped, those gifts. But if she gets up in the morning and looks at those gifts, and they're hers, and they're available to her for her to open, for her to whatever, play with, whatever it may be. But if she just says, oh, those look nice, but you know what? I don't want them, which isn't going to happen. But if she does that, those gifts are for her, but are they really benefiting her? No. They're available to her, but is she really accessing them? No. She's not opening them. If she just decides, I'm just going to leave them there, and I'm never going to touch them, they're there for her. They're available to her, but one, she doesn't really know what they are because they're, they're wrapped, and she's not accessing them. We have things available to us in the Word. We need to know what the Word says, and we need to access it. Amen? Amen. I want to look at some of the Christmas gifts that are truly life-transforming to us that God has given us. Number one is rest, the gift of rest, contentment, and satisfaction. Amen? And this is a big one. In a time where it could feel like you're going nonstop, God offers a gift of rest. And I'm not just talking about a natural rest. You know, we need natural rest. We do have a body, right? We're a three-part being, and I'll be getting into this in, in a few minutes. We're spirit, soul, and body. And our bodies, we do need to rest. You know, if you just keep going and going and going, eventually you're going to need a rest, or you're going to be forced to take a rest. Right? Some, there's time where you just naturally, okay, you know, I need to sleep in this morning. I need to take a nap, or, you know, I need a day. I'm just going to sit there and rest get refreshed, get restrengthened. <clears throat> but there's also a rest available to us all the time that even far supersedes that, we could say. A rest from, that can only come from God. A rest for our souls, which we're going to see. And again, we're three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. A rest that we can even be in rest throughout our day. It's not just when we're sleeping or when we're laying down. You can be in rest when you're going about your day, doing things in your house, on your job. Because it's a rest that comes from God. And you could still be doing things, but you're, you are in a position of rest. We can only receive that from him. Amen. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says, and I will give you rest. He's the one that gives us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. And that's important. I'm going to talk about that in a second. See, Jesus is telling us here, he's encouraging us to what? To come to him and to really understand what it means to be spiritually alive and satisfied. <clears throat> but he says that. He says, first, he says, he's the one that gives us rest. And he says what? He says, you will find rest for your souls. And we need to really note that because rest for your soul. Again, spirit, soul, and body. That's what we are. We're three-part beings, right? When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our spirit comes alive unto God. Our spirit is perfected. Then we do have a natural body where, yes, like I was saying, we do need natural rest, right? We want to take care of our bodies, you know, exercise, eat good, you know, make sure we're getting enough sleep. That's going to help you get rest for your bodies. But then when it comes to our soul, see, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And Jesus says, I will give you rest for your souls. And this is important because, see, the soul is really the part of us where we experience the most turmoil. 
It's the place where evidence is weighed, where we make decisions in our, in our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's really, again, our souls to cradle our, of our emotions. It's where we carry our hurts, where we carry our wounds. And Jesus says, I will give you rest for your souls. Amen? That is his gift for us. So again, what child is this? He is the great shepherd of our souls. You know, Psalm 23 that David wrote, and I want to read the first three verses here. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. Some translations say, I shall not lack. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He says, he restores what? My soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. David writes here. David even knows, he said, God is the one who restores our soul. And daily restoration of our souls is truly a major human need. You know, and in these times we live in where it could feel like there's maybe so much uncertainty, so much craziness going on, whatever it may be, we need our soul restored over and over and over. And thank God for the gift that keeps on restoring, that he's the gift that keeps on restoring. You know, I want to take a minute here. If you need restoration <clears throat> in an area of your life, God is there. He is there. You need to go to him. Go to him. Use that scripture. Jesus, you said, see, Pastor Joe always teaches when Jesus says, take my yoke. When we yoke, we're connecting to something. We're not doing this life alone. We're letting Jesus take the lead and helping and pulling us along. We're partnering with him. All right? If you need restoration, look to him. Go to him. He wants to give you restoration in whatever area of your life it is. You know, when you feel like your soul is getting weary, your mind, your will, your emotions. Jesus is there. He's ever-present. The Word of God says He's an ever-present help in trouble. That's who He is. He's the restorer of our soul. Amen? So, first gift we have is we have rest. We can, we can really experience rest in our lives, contentment, satisfaction. Second gift available to us is peace with God. Peace with God. We now have peace with God. Amen. And really, when we think about this time of the year, the message of the Christmas angels should be standing out to us. It's what we should be thinking about. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Calm your souls. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. They say, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, this is important, goodwill toward men. Now, we might see the message sometimes saying amongst men, but that's not what it's talking about here because we might go, what says on earth, peace amongst men. Well, I don't see much peace between people right now, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying peace, goodwill towards men from God to us. Amen. There's peace now from God to us. And the honest truth is people really cannot be at peace with each other until they are at peace with God. 
And that's why we see some of the things that we see today. And Christmas, what it's about is about that glorious announcement from the angels that, hey, God has declared the war between God and man is now over and peace, shalom, right? Shalom, which is completeness towards men. There is wholeness now. There is peace between God and us. And, you know, that's so important to grasp that, to know that the war is over. There's peace, goodwill towards men, because you could be thinking, you know, how could God be at peace in me from what I've, from what I've done and, and what I do? And how could he, he look on me? And, you know, I can't even walk into a church. I can't. No, there's peace. Jesus paid for that. He was the sacrifice. Amen. And when we think about this in this announcement of God saying, hey, the war's over. The war is over between God and man. It's over. There's peace now. You know, I think of some of the pictures and going back to World War II, and I want to look at some pictures of showing the people of France, England, and the USA. They were dancing in the streets when they found out that the news that World War II was over, was over now. And what happened? Well, there was rejoicing, tears. And why? Because fear began to be replaced with safety and security because the war was over. Well, the war between God and man is over. Amen. And, you know, that should bring joy. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, got very much a hold of that joy. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he writes, Therefore, having now been justified by faith, what does he say? We have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God, and we rejoice in that hope now. And remember, again, peace. When we think of peace, I'm not going to lie. There is, we get peace naturally, right? But maybe you have moments, you know, it's, it's going to be quiet for you, right? You get time alone. That can be peaceful, right? I'm not going to lie. I got a, uh, we have the ring cameras at my house. And I was getting alerts during worship. And I looked. And I totally remembered. My in-laws came and picked up my daughter today. They're taking her out for the day. She's not going to be home. I love her. But it's going to be peaceful. <laughs> I know when I go home. It's going to be quiet. My wife's still going to be there. You know, she didn't go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's going to be good. We're going to be able to spend some time together. But, right, it's, it's going to be peaceful. There's natural times of peace, right? It's, going to be, it's, it's naturally going to be quieter. We're probably going to sit down and watch a movie together or something like that, whatever. And that peace will end at some time today. The door will open. And she'll, I, you know what, though? I'd rather have her arrest. She's the best. But I'm just saying, I'm using an example. There are natural times of peace. Maybe you have some time alone where you can just sit and you can read a book and, you know, do, do that. Or, right, you, 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 you're on vacation, right? You go away and you're so peaceful. But what? That peace, eventually life, life comes. That peace can feel like it goes away. But we have a f- peace that far surpasses that, a peace that cannot be taken, a peace that cannot be shaken. And that's Jesus himself. Because peace in the Bible is different. Right, peace, as far as the Bible is concerned, is about being whole, about being complete, about having nothing missing, nothing broken, being stable. Jesus is the gift of God's wholeness to us. Amen? We can have a peace that cannot be taken from us. Why? Because our peace is found in Jesus, and he cannot be taken from us. So, so far, gifts that we have available to us, we have rest, 
we have peace, peace with God. The third one, we now have access to our Heavenly Father. We have access to the Father, amen? amen. And that really is something completely unheard of in the Old Testament times in the first covenant, access to the Father. In the Old Covenant, that was really unheard of. We should thank God, honestly, we live in the time we live in, right? We're in the New Covenant. And because of that, again, Romans 5, 2, Paul writes, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, the blood that Jesus shed for us cleared the path of every obstacle that there was to our access to the Father, and that is his gift to us. We now have access to our Heavenly Father through the blood of Jesus. That's good news. You can have access to your Heavenly Father at any time, no matter what. No matter what time of the day it is, no matter what day it is, no matter if you wake up in the middle of the night, whatever time it is, you have access to your Heavenly Father. He's there. He doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 22, and I want to look at this in the Amplified Version. And it says, therefore, believers, so it's speaking to believers here, it says, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart and unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water." We have access to God. We could actually, the word of God says, we could boldly go to his throne because of the blood of Jesus. And we have that confidence, and confidence to enter God's presence is founded on what? On the blood of Jesus and his high priestly ministry. So again, that's another gift given to us. What child is this? He is the one who opened the way for us to come back to God. Amen? Never take that for granted, the access that we have to our Heavenly Father. You know, you, again, go back to the, the, old, the old Testament. You know, people would be carrying around probably the weight and guilt of their sins to, to give their offering, you know, every year and be carrying that around. We have access to our Father. We can go to Him when we, when we fall short. We can repent Him. We can do whatever. We have complete access to our Father. And there's nothing more that He wants than for us to come to Him. That's another thing, too. He's not pushing us away. Like, come on, this is the sixth time you're talking to me today? Like... <laughs> Isn't this just a morning and a night thing? No. He's like, he wants us to come to him all day. I mean, the word of God, even Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. God, it's his desire for us to be focusing on him all day, communicating to him, resting in his presence. Amen? So, we have rest, we have peace, we have access to our Father. The fourth gift that we have is the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit now, amen? The Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Again, the Trinity, God is a three-part being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I want to start going to the Gospel of uh, Mark, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 6 and 8. And uh, I want to read a couple video, uh, videos now. I'm going to read a couple scriptures. How do you read videos? about the Holy Spirit that we see in the Gospels. And it says, now John, talking about John the Baptist here, 
was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, there comes one after me. He's talking about Jesus. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He says, there comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. He says, I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, He's saying here, Jesus is going to come. Jesus will be the one that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And I want to go to another scripture now in John chapter 7, the Gospel of John, starting in verse 37. And it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, the Holy Spirit was not going to come while Jesus was still here on this earth. I'm talking about to live inside of us. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was always there. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, would come upon the prophets. So they would be able to prophesy. But now, because of what Jesus did, and then Jesus, he died, he, he was buried, he rose again. And then when he ascended back into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit now comes and lives inside of us. Again, it says in, in the word, it says we are sealed with his spirit when we receive him. So now the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us, it's also in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us, the great counselor, the one who leads us, who teaches us, who comforts us, who directs us. Amen. John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus also says, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. See, Jesus is realizing, he's telling them, guys, I'm not going to be here on this earth with you forever. And, you know, the disciples are rightfully probably freaked out a little bit. Well, what do you mean? Like, we've been, you know, walking this, following your leading, walking this earth with you, having you around. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to be here forever. He says, but I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, and Jesus says, and he will be in you. See, he was abiding with them, but he's saying he is going to be in you. And we see that fulfilled after Jesus ascends back to the Father in heaven. And, you know, something for us to think about, you know, if Jesus had not been given to us as a gift from the Father in heaven, we would be like orphans here on earth, completely on our own. But we're not, thank God. He says, I'll give you another helper, the spirit of truth, who will be with you forever. See, that's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. When you, you, know, you think about it, Jesus, when he was on this, you know, on this earth, he was fully God, fully man. And he could only be in one place at one time, Right? But he says, listen, when I go back, I'm sending the helper, the spirit of truth. He is in us. He is always with us forever, no matter where we go. We, if you're a believer, you have the spirit of God in you. You need to know that. He wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to comfort you. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit. So we have rest. We have peace with God, access to the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. And the last gift I want to talk about, the one that we save for last, and you know when you think about it, on Christmas Day, if you're anything like me, you know, you, you get presents for somebody, and, you know, when the gifts are opened in the morning, most people will give, you know, some of the nice gifts first, right? But we'll usually try to reserve that one special gift that we'll, we know will wow the recipient. And I, I do that. 
like to my daughter, I'm like, open these first. I think you'll like these. She likes anything. But I want you to open this one last because I know maybe this is what you really wanted. I know this is going to really, you know, excite you, whatever it may be. And the most important gift that we have from our Father is everlasting life. Amen? Everlasting life that he's given us through send, the sending of his son, Jesus. Now, I want to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified again because it brings it out a little bit more. And it says, in, in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. See, Jesus did not just start Jesus did not just start existing when he was born here on earth. Jesus always was. He was with the Father. He always was. It says, all things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. It's important. That's scripture. The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it, and it is unreceptive to it. See, life and light are always connected to one another in the Word of God. Life and light are always connected to each other in the Bible. And Jesus, we know that, what, he is the light of the world, right? But also Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? That's who Jesus is. He's the way, he's the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. Amen? He's the one that brings us everlasting life. So again, what child is this? This is the giver of life. And he offers life to all who will believe. Amen? That is who he is, the giver of life. And he offers that life to all who will believe. I want to read John 3, 16, which we, which we all, I'm sure, know. But it says, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. God is the greatest giver there is. It says that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift of everlasting life is found in Jesus in him alone, in his sacrifice, in him paying for our sins. And, you know, when we think of eternal life, you know, we could, often we could think of eternal life as a state we enter after we die, which is true. You know, the truth is, is we all, everyone on this earth, we are et eternal beings. We're going to live forever. Now, when we live forever with God, to live to every God, that's through Jesus. He's the only way to the Father, but we are going to live forever, each and every one of us, <clears throat> after we die. But Jesus tells us that eternal life is also an eternal union with God that begins the instant that the Spirit of God comes to dwell in our hearts. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you really step into eternity then. You know you have the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and you know your eternity is secure. You can rest in that, that one day, because the truth is, we all one day on this earth will take our last breath unless Jesus comes back before then. We will take our last breath and we can know that we will be with our Father. Why? Because of how good we were? Because of what we did? No. 
but because by we put our faith in Jesus and him alone, because that's the only way to the Father. Again, he calls it being born of the Spirit. And being born of the Spirit, that miraculous event occurs when we, one, when we recognize our state of rebellion against God and we choose to return wholeheartedly to him to live in his kingdom. In the word of God, it calls this repentance. This miraculous event, it occurs also when we recognize that we are separated from him, from him because of our sin. You know, we lost awareness of him, of who he is because of sin. In this miraculous event, it occurs, lastly, when we receive the perfect cleansing for all of our sin, won for us by Jesus, thanking him for this incredible gift and trusting, what, that he will come dwell in us by his spirit, as the word says, who will guide and empower us to obey God. Amen? Why don't we all stand up? really state that simply, if you're in this room and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you decide to accept his, that, that invitation to be reconciled to God? Again, God is the greatest gift giver. Jesus, salvation is a gift of grace, but it is a decision that you need to make while you're here on this earth. Word of God makes that clear. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul says, well, again, when we recognize these things and we and we truly believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, and we believe that he came to this earth, that he suffered for us, he died for us, and that he rose again. When we repent of our old ways, when we surrender our life to him, he says when we believe that in our heart and we confess that with our mouth, salvation has come. And the word says you are sealed with his spirit. Your eternity is secure. Amen. And I want to lead us all into that salvation prayer. If we could all bow our heads and, and shut our eyes. We could all pray this together, but know that if you pray this prayer for the first time, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, you receive the greatest gift there is. You become a child of God. The word says you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So when we pray this, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he came to this earth that he suffered for me, he went to the cross for me, and he died for me. And I believe that he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I thank you that you have now made me a child of God. And I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time in a minute when we're dismissed, please don't just walk out those doors. Come listen to me on our prayer team note. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. Because why? We want to give you a Bible. We want to rejoice with you. We want to answer any questions you may have. We want to give you resources because God has a good plan for your life. You stepped into eternity. Your eternity is secure, but he has a plan for your life while you're here on this earth. And we want to help you start that journey because it's not the end of your journey. It's the beginning. Amen. If you rededicated your life as well, come let us know. 
If you need prayer for anything, come up. We would love to stand in faith with you and pray with you. Amen. Don't forgive. Focus on the gift giver. He is a good father. Amen. Access what he has given us. I pray for all of us it's going to be one blessed Christmas. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you all. We love you. Again, if you need prayer, come up and we will see you at our Christmas services. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.